Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. And today I'd like to start out directing your attention to wealthformula.com, where there are abundance of resources for your financial learning pleasure, including my number one selling book on Amazon, Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth, which you can go to Amazon and buy, or you can download for free at wealthformula.com as a PDF. You can also simply text me 44222 and type wealth formula, one word. Again, that is 44222, one word, wealth formula, and you will get that PDF. Now, Let's talk about today's show. Now, the wealthy think differently than most of us. Now, here's the challenge. In order to be wealthy, you must think like the wealthy. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Buck, if I don't know how they think, how can I do that? Well, that's a good question, right? Well, I'll tell you. You see, I'm going to tell you because my job on Wealth Formula is to infiltrate the world of the wealthy. Think of me as a spy, like, you know, like 007. Yeah, Sean Connery, especially. I think that that's that's my kind of 007. Anyway, the spy who's stealing secrets from the wealthy and passing them on to you. And, you know, that's really what I love to do, right? I mean, that's kind of what I do on this show in Investor Club, which is our accredited investor forum. Now, here's something from all those secrets that I have noticed, the wealthy set what I call their wealth thermostats higher than the middle class or even high paid professionals. What's a wealth thermostat, you might ask? Well, tell me what kind of yearly income makes someone rich, okay? How much How much do you have to make every year to be rich? Is it $250,000 per year? Is that rich? Is $5 million per year rich? Is $100 million per year rich? I mean, what's the threshold? What's the threshold? If I ask 10 of you, you will probably give me 10 different answers of what you think constitutes rich. Maybe not 10 of you, but certainly 10 people off the street. The thing is, your answer to this question is a strong indicator of your wealth thermostat and probably how much you make and how much you're worth yourself. I call it a wealth thermostat because our minds have a funny way of making our thoughts into reality. And if you think of a certain amount of money and you think it's too much, then it is. You will always have the amount of money that you think is normal for you. And the funny thing is that the thermostat also helps you from going much below a certain level of wealth. I mean, look at Donald Trump, love him or hate him. 
right? I mean, this is an extreme case. So a lot of people know that in the early 90s, he was in some serious dire straits. I mean, poor guy had to sell off his jumbo jet. I mean, he was several billions of dollars in debt. And this is not the good kind of debt either. But talk about a guy with off the charts wealth thermostat settings, right? This guy is now, you know, three and a half billion dollars in the black. My point is that if you want to be wealthy, you have to think like the wealthy and that all comes from mindset. And, you know, the financial or the wealth thermostat is part of that. So make sure that you set yours properly. Now, in this week's Wealth Formula podcast, I have a great example, another great example of how the wealth thermostat works. My guest is Rod Cleef. Now, Rod is a great example of going from rags to riches, then back to rags for a while. And he's going to tell us all about that journey and what it took for him to once again return to the joys of riches. So as we come back, we will talk to Rod Cleef. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest is Rod Cleef. Now, this is an amazing guy. Starting out from humble beginnings, Rod rose to the pinnacle of success as a real estate investor prior to 2008, only to see it coming crashing down in the Great Recession. But using the power of mindset and visualization, Rod overcame adversity and came back even stronger as a multifamily real estate investor and the host of one of the most successful real estate podcasts in the world, Lifetime Cashflow Podcast. Welcome to the show, Rod. Oh, thanks for having me, Buck. This is going to be a lot of fun. Now, listen, you've had, uh, you know, had a very interesting life and, you know, you got a great story about how you got into real estate investing, basically from, you know, starting really from nothing. Can you give us a little bit of a, a glimpse on what that looked like? Sure. Yeah. No, I, I actually immigrated uh, when I was six years old from Holland you know, with my brother and my mother. We ended up in Denver, didn't have much. You know, I, I had to wear clothes from the Goodwill and we bought day old bread and or expired bread and powdered milk. And that's really all we could afford. But, you know, I know a lot of people had it a lot worse. You know, I knew I wanted something more. And my mom really, I think, gave me a glimpse of what a work ethic should be. She babysat kids and she used that money to buy the house across the street, which ironically just sold last month and she bought it no, 30 years ago. But she bought the house across the street for $40,000 when I was 14 years old and that would have been 74. And then when I was about to graduate from high school, she told me it had gone up in value $20,000, which is the reason, you know, my background is primarily real estate. Well, I shouldn't say that. I've, I've owned 22 businesses that I've built as well. But one of my loves is real estate. And so that's, I got it immediately got into real estate right after high school as a result of seeing how, how she did. Fast forward to now, I've owned uh, about 2,000 houses, multiple apartment communities in three states. And it's been a, it's been a wild ride. Some fantastic successes and some equally spectacular seminars, I call them. Yeah. Uh, yes. Let's, failures. let's, let's talk about that. I mean, so, right. so obviously you're, you know, you're sort of, you got inspired by, 
seeing your mom, you know, certainly the immigrant story, certainly I can resonate with that. So tell us about the, the ups. Well, the ups, you know, uh, when I was cranking in two, well, though, here's a great up in 2006, without doing anything, my net worth went up $17 million in appreciation. Now, there's a punchline, so don't get all excited about that. Yeah. Although, you know, I did the math on it. It's like $3,800 an hour on a 40-hour work week. And, you know, my head got so big, I could barely get it through a door because I thought I was a real estate god. And then 2008 happened. <laughs> and yep, yep. I lost that and a whole lot more. And, you know, I, like I say, I call them seminars because it was absolutely a learning experience. But my seminar was about a $50 million seminar in 2008. I crashed and burned. and But the lesson in the seminar in it and the reason I started my podcast is is to get this message out there. And that is if you're going to invest, and, and I know you're, you, you do this the same way, so the, you know, I'm speaking to the choir as far as you're concerned, Buck, but if you're going to invest in real estate to hold long term, don't do single family houses, for God's sakes. Don't do, I had 800 houses when the market crashed in 08, and it's painful to even think about that. You, you can do, you can get so much more mileage and be so much safer if you buy multifamily and buy it right. And that was my message because my single family is what really pulled me down because I was spread out in too big of a geographic area and there were a lot of other nuances associated with why it didn't work in 08, my, my business model. But my multifamily did just fine through the crash. Yeah, sure, it pulled back, but it, but it sur- it would have survived, except it was cross-collateralized with my single family, so it went down too. But my point is, it was cash flowing, and that's that's kind of my message in my podcast. Is you know, in this especially in this day and age with the upcoming contraction, because you know, real estate goes in cycles, and there's no question that we're at the top of one right now, and we're going to start going down eventually. It, it's you know, it's a matter of time. And if you're going to buy and hold real estate, my my suggestion is is buy multifamily or buy another asset class besides single family. Single families are great to flip and wholesale and, you know, owning a couple is okay, but long-term wealth and scalability. And I know you subscribe to this as well, because I know you own a lot of multifamily yourself. So, you know, is 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 just an easier way to go. So, gosh, there's so many questions I've got for you, right? I mean, first of all, I mean, what do you do when you're $50 million in debt? Well, okay. And this that is not is, good debt. That is a, I mean, this that, is not It wasn't good debt. $50 million in debt, okay? <laughs> right. it, was actually, it was actually about $30 million in debt. Oh, well, but that's, that's, thir- that's, that's that a different story. But that $30 was was about 30% <laughs> It was it was a thir- I was at a thirty percent loan to value, so my my real estate portfolio was worth seventy percent more than that. But it, it went upside down in 08. That's how much it crashed here in Florida. Yeah. So like for every dollar I owed thirty cents, and that was about thirty 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 plus million. And but but I was worth fifty million, and that's what I lost. And and how do you recover from that? I can tell you it was it was hard. But you know, as I mentioned to you uh, before we turned the recorder on, I spent sixteen years following Tony Robbins around the planet, and so I learned about mindset and the psychology of success, and how really eighty percent of your success in anything, you know, for all your listeners, eighty percent of your success in anything is your psychology, your mindset. Only 20% is the mechanical information, be it real estate or entrepreneurship, you know, starting your own business, whatever it is, the mindset is 80% of it. And so thank God that I'd been around that technology, really believed and mastered goal setting and visualization. And, you know, I, I, I did this throughout my life, not even realizing what I was doing, but it really served me. And, and I'm happy to dig into that a little more if you like. But, you know, that's that's what that's what got me through losing all that in 08 was the fact that I knew what I wanted, even though I'd lost so much. I still had 
goals. I still knew why those goals were a must. And so I focused on those instead of my pity party and what I'd lost. And so, you know, I, I'm, I mean, I'm back now. It was, it was no fun. And, you know, I, I certainly, I, I allowed myself to have a pity party for a few months, but I, but I pulled myself back out. And a lot of people don't survive from big setbacks like that, you know, either, you know, sometimes not even physically, but definitely not emotionally and psychologically. But again, luckily, I've been around the, the, you know, and seen the effects of, of positive mindset and your psychology so much that I was able to utilize that to get me back to the success I enjoy today. And um, so hindsight's so, twenty twenty, right? So, right. you know, when you look at what your mindset was before 2008, before everything sort of hit the proverbial fan and where you are now, what do you think of when you think of the shift in your mindset? Well, I'll tell you it's and and let me let me see how if I want to build up to this. But the, the bottom line is you have to you have to realize that that thoughts are things and what you focus on becomes your reality. So, you know, if if let's say one of your listeners, say you're one of your if you're listening and you're motivated and you know you want more and you want to take your life to another level, but you haven't taken action. I would tell you, and this is what I tell my coaching clients, is go through a goal setting exercise and people spend more time planning Christmas than they do designing their lives. And so humor me for like two minutes and let me tell you what I would recommend they do. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's what I, if you're listening and you haven't done this, please do this. It's, it'll take an hour of your time and it'll be the best hour you spend this year. Sit down, write down everything you could ever want in life. And, and, and literally do this in a high energy place. Make sure that you include not just the things that you want, the houses, the boats, the planes, the cars, the jet skis, the motorcycles, all the material stuff, but also who you want to help, what you want to learn, you know, write down everything you can ever possibly want to do, be, or have. And don't, you know, you analytical guys, don't, don't analyze this stuff. Just write them all down, scratch it out later if you want to, but don't let the pen leave the paper and write until you can't think of another thing, small things, big things, everything. Then the next thing you, you want to do is you want to put a time limit on each goal, a one year, three year, five year, 10 year, 20 year. And remember, as human beings, we will overestimate what we can accomplish in a year and massively underestimate what we can accomplish in a decade. So keep that in mind, but put a number by each goal. And then I recommend that you circle your top four one-year goals. Put those on a separate sheet of paper. And these next two pieces are the most important. Take for each one of those four goals and write a paragraph why they're an absolute must so that I can do this for my family, so I can feel like a success. Whatever's going to juice you, use emotionally charged language and take the time and just write a paragraph for each one. Then take it one little tiny step further and put some pain in there. If you don't achieve that goal, how you're going to feel. So I don't feel like a failure. So I don't feel like I failed my family. Make it painful because as human beings, we'll do more to avoid pain than gain pleasure. And then the last piece, and this piece, I didn't realize I was doing this throughout my career, you got to get pictures of your goals. Let me tell you my personal examples. When I first got in real estate, I was 18 and I and I, I was a broker. I was a real estate broker. And of course, I thought you had to have a four-door car. So I bought this bone ugly four-door Granada, Ford Granada. And uh, this thing was really ugly. And and I loved exotic cars. And I now realize these examples I'm going to give you don't even motivate me anymore. I just, just for, you know, the only examples I can give you, but it's not that I'm bragging, but this is just what motivated me at the time. Doesn't anymore. But, you know, I wanted a Corvette. 
I, so I got a picture of a Corvette. I put the put that on the visor of my four-door Granada. A year later, I had a Corvette. Then this was back, and this will date me uh, even more. This was back when the TV show Magnum P.I. was out, and Tom Selleck, <laughs> uh, the actor, drove this Ferrari, this red Ferrari. And this was pre-internet, pre-Google. And so I had to go in a magazine and find a picture of that Ferrari. And I put that that exact Ferrari picture on the visor of my Corvette. Two years later, I had a Maserati look just like that Ferrari. And again, these things don't interest me anymore, but they're great for illustrative purposes. And then my last example, car example, because I love cars, was a Lamborghini. I always wanted a Lamborghini. And you know, I'm the guy that had the posters on the wall with the bikini girl. And, you know, and the Lamborghini, I'm that guy. And then what's interesting is my son collected, he was eight years old and he collected models of exotic cars and he had a model of the exact same color and style of Lamborghini that I ended up getting. And my point here in all this is this visualization stuff works. In fact, I've got I, I, right here on my desk, I use a paper planner. In the back of this planner, I've got pictures that have been in here for, I would say, about 19 years. And they're in plastic. They're dog-eared. I'm looking at them right now. If we were on video, I, you could see this. But in the back, at first pictures are my gratitude pictures. They're pictures of my children. You know, everything comes from a place of gratitude. And then after that, I've got the houses that I wanted that I ended up getting. In fact, I got another story there I should tell you too. And then I've got the, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars of the watches. Again, this stuff doesn't interest me anymore. Then then the pictures of the Lamborghini that I ended up getting, the Rolls Royces, all this stuff that I got because I had pictures. So guys, if you're listening and ladies, do the goals. Write your write your whys. Very, very important because it, the goal itself will never motivate you. It's why that goal is a must that'll motivate you. And then get pictures, put them up in front of you. You can go, go download them on Google, go to Wall greens, have them blown up, put them on your wall and where you're going to see them every day. And I'm telling you, this is how I got through my seminar in 2008 and pulled myself out because I knew I still had big goals. I still, there were still things that I wanted. And I knew that if I focused on my loss, that would magnify what you focus on gets larger. So I had to focus on what I wanted. And that's, this is a great way to do that. And for those of you that haven't taken action yet, this is the first step. Okay. I, I, I know if you, you're one of these people wants to get out of the rat race, wants more out of life, you have to clearly define what you want. Otherwise, you're not going to know it when you see it. And you have to clearly define why you want it because the why is going to drive you. Two more quick examples. Like uh, maybe you've heard Jim Carrey's story. He, wrote himself a check for $10 million back when he had nothing. And he pulled it out and he looked at it regularly. Sure enough, he made that. That's the amount of the money he made on his first big film, Dumb and Dumber. One last example, Walt Disney. Walt Disney, when Epcot Center was built and done, had already passed. And this just ties into visualization. And Roy Disney was there for the grand opening. And a reporter came up to Roy and said, you know, it's a shame Walt didn't see this. And Roy told him, the only reason you're seeing it is because Walt see it, saw it in his mind. And so that's the point. You have to you have to visualize these things that you want, ideally as if you already have them, and and they will manifest. I mean, it's worked in my life. I can't even tell you. I, I mean, you know, I've, I I did a vision board for my wife, and I've and I've got the most amazing human being on the planet as a wife because I visualized her. So I know this. Some of you guys, some of you analytical guys, you're going, oh, this is all foo foo stuff. And Buck, why'd you get this guy on the show? But <laughs> I promise, I promise you guys, this stuff works. So you know, this is all great stuff. In fact, you know, I'm I'm a big believer. And all. I, I don't necessarily okay. do board myself, but I, I do think my 
mindset is extraordinarily powerful. You know, I find in even my own situation that my mindset inadvertently, it's not even something that I programmed, doesn't allow me to make less than seven figures. It doesn't right. allow me to. Well, there you go. There you go. And you can declare that. Right. And if you declare it, like I have a, uh, when I, when I was, you know, pulling myself out of the ashes here from my real estate debacle, I built a litigation support company. I turned it, you know, built into a $10 million company. I remember putting on the ceiling above my bed, Amstar will be netting $200,000 a month. And sure as, I mean, this stuff works and it did. And that's, that's, that's how you do it. I'll give you one more example because it ties into something that's kind of important for the goal setting piece. I always, and again, please understand this is just my life. So I have to give you stories of my own life, but I always wanted this big house on the beach. I mean, I lived in Denver and there is no beach in Denver. And so I had pictures of palm trees and beach and, and it took me 20 years to do this, but ultimately I built this, you know, $8 million testament to my ego on the beach, you know, beautiful, beautiful home. But the point I want, the reason I bring this up is because this is really important for those of you heavy hitters and achievers. I'm floating in the pool of this home, looking up at this, you know, magnificent place. And I, and it just after it was built, I'm floating in the pool and this waterfall from the second floor into the pool and the pool changed colors. I mean, just an amazing property. And I was depressed. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? You just achieved something. Your biggest goal you've ever wanted, you've achieved it. And I mean, I was really depressed. This was back in 2000. And luckily, I got exposed to Tony at that time and, and went to one of his events and got myself out of it. But when I look back on it now, I realized there were two things happening. And this is what I want to share with you. One is never achieve a big goal without having other goals lined up because it's never about the, the, the goal. It's always about your progress and who you become in pursuit of that and the growth, okay? So never achieve a goal without having other goals lined up. Like the good book says, without a vision, you know, the people perish. That's This is an example of that. I was pretty narcissistic at the time. It was all rod, 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 me, me, me. And you know, I've, I've, I've interviewed on my podcast and met a lot of very, very successful people that are unhappy because they're unfulfilled and I was unfulfilled. And so that back in 2000, I decided with my brother to go feed five families for Christmas. We, we got big baskets of food and actually got the idea from Tony. Tony does this in a big way, but, right. but got big, big boxes of food and baskets of food and delivered them to five families. And the, the third family changed my life. We, we, I delivered this food and said, this is from somebody that loves you. And, and the lady came out. She started crying when she saw the food. Her five kids came out. Most of them started crying. I started crying and I was hooked. And the next year I did 50 families. And the year after that, 100. The year after that, 200. Then 400. Then 800. Then 1600. I doubled it every year and I paid for it up to. And then, then it was the 1600 was, I think, like 2007. But I'm, I'm you know, blessed to say that we've fed about 55,000 children uh, over the last uh whatever that is, 17 years, and we've done thousands of backpacks filled with school supplies to local children. We've done thousands of teddy bears to local police departments for officers to put in their vehicles, you know, when they encounter a child that's been traumatized. And it's been my greatest joy, but it's given me fulfillment. And guys, you don't have to do anything of that magnitude, but if you incorporate contribution and giving back into your life, that's what life's about. 
Yeah, I know. I know many of you listening are all about success, success, success. But I can tell you, success without fulfillment is empty. And I've seen it in people I've interviewed and met. And and you don't want that life. You want success with fulfillment. So so even if it's just buying the person behind you in line at Starbucks a coffee, or or you know smiling at everybody you meet today, or adding value to people in some other way, make sure you incorporate that into your life because that's really what life's about: fulfillment. A couple things I think are come to mind when. Just listening to you. One of them, when I when I think again about the way my own mind works and the way I think that generally speaking, people work in general, is that when it comes to material things, wealth in particular, we all, for whatever reason, are born with some kind of, it's not born or, or raised with some kind of internal thermostat. I mean, it's where we're at. Right. And, and, you know, you could lose everything, but because you're programmed at a certain point, you're going to come back to it. And because you're programmed at that point, it's hard to reach to the next point unless you get the, you know, visualization and you, it's, you got to jar yourself into the next place. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's really like a financial mindset. You set a, you set a a psychological ceiling for yourself. Right. You, you make what you must make. Right. And, and I say, yeah, that's, that's very insightful. But, right. And, uh, and it's like a thermostat. And so for mm-hmm, people yeah. who are, you know, thinking of a hundred thousand dollars or whatever, and that's a lot of money and, you know, they're trying to get to it and they get to it. That's great. And they may, may stick around there. But if they're, you know, thermostat is set at 75, that's where they are. The people are in the mid, you know, mid six figures are doing the same. The seven figure people, I, I admit, I seem to have this and I'm, it's not a bad place to be, but, but I, I right now I'm struggling a little bit with the idea. Well, gosh, I mean, maybe I'm not thinking big enough, right? I mean, why am I, you know, I, I seem to settle back at this point. And again, I think it is programming. It's, it's, it, 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 but you can, re, but you can redo that programming. Right. And that's the that's the point here is you absolutely can, but you have to be aware of it first. Right. And so, you know, like Socrates said, a life unexamined is a life not worth living. Take a look at th- what's driving you in that regard. What if you've set a ceiling in your mind? Because I, I have too. I know question book. I've done the same thing. And you really have to reprogram yourself and you ha- and you do that through, you know, self-actualization and goal setting and, you know, visualization and all of that. All that stuff is is what's required to take, you know, to push yourself to the next level. And and there's some other things, obviously, who you hang out with, you know, the five people you hang out with. You want to have an elevated peer group. You know, you can have other friends, but the people you really hang out with need to be the ones that motivate you and empower you and build you up and push you because that's also an important piece of it. So, yeah, when we talk about the question, you know, the 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 vision board and stuff like this is something that we actually I've been talking about a fair amount on this show, Rod, because the not necessarily the vision board, but the the idea of setting goals because I think that particularly with my group, it's a little unique in that, like I mentioned to you before, my group tends to be more successful people, high paid professionals, et cetera. So they're not, they're not necessarily, you know, trying to get out of the cubicle or the rat race. A lot of them enjoy what they do. There's a bigger issue, which is not really having a mission. And you talk about mm-hmm. it in terms, you use the word self-actualization, which I use a lot. Mm-hmm. And what I find is that there's a unique thing about this group, this sort of highly successful people that if they start writing down what it is that they want, they will do what exactly what you just said. They'll put Lamborghinis, they'll put golf, they'll put all this stuff. But the truth of the matter is, if 
they did as my friend Dean Graziosi says suggests to do, ask the question why seven times. Mm-hmm. They'll find that that's really not what they want to do. If no, they had all it's the always money, deeper. Yeah. Right, and if they had all the money in the world, they would not go play golf for the, the entire time. And that's what a lot of people say. So if you don't have a true destination, that's that can be counterproductive. So when you make those goals and you have those, and for me, part of what I'm doing right now is my goal. Like I want, I've had success in my life. I want to talk to a lot of people and help a lot of people. And that's my mission. That's Same my here. self-actualization. And if you mm-hmm. look at the most successful people out there that I know, it's all the same. Uh, Dean, obviously, is a very good example. Dean Graziosi. Tony sure. talked to Robert Kiyosaki about this in April. Same exact thing. He says, you know what? I don't really care about money anymore. I mean, I used to care a lot about money when I was in my you know, 30s, 40s, 50s and stuff like that. But now I got all the money in the world. What, else, what am I going to do with more? And so what, what drives me is mission and education. And so going and doing a really deep dive, not just having and, and I don't have a problem with a vision board, but really make sure what's on your vision board is real. And I think that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's no, no, no. The way you speak. described it and, 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 you know, just to, just to possibly clarify, you know, those of you that think you want the material things, it's, it's not the material things. It's how you feel when you have those things. It's a feeling that you're looking, it's an emotion that you're looking for. And what you'll find is you already have that emotion, you know, like, like many, many people will achieve, achieve, achieve to be happy, but you can happily achieve. And and but w- back to your point about digging deep, it's it's never the Lamborghini. It's the feeling of freedom and the significance and the you know the the, the emotions associated with that material object. And the same could be applied to just about any goal. It's 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 the feeling. And a lot of people don't th- you know don't give that conscious thought. But it's 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 very helpful to do that because. Then you're looking at things through a lifestyle filter and you realize that what you're seeking may is really a vehicle to the emotion that, you know, that, that the underlying emotion you're looking for. And it's usually love and connection and freedom for men, you know, all these, all these, all these important emotions. So that's, that's, that's very insightful, Buck, about, you know, digging deep on it. Yeah. And I think the other thing is to understand that, you know, with this group in particular, this should be something that's easier to do. Now, if you go back and a lot of people cite 1943, Abraham Maslow and the hierarchy of needs, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this group in particular, money is important, but money is important to the extent that if you have enough money, you can be yourself. Right. And so the things that we're really talking about, and I think that are that are a little bit harder to achieve are ultimately because they're first world problems. Right. It is a first world problem to figure out how to be happy. It's a first world problem to figure out how to if you had all the money in the world, what would you do with it? No. And and let's let the, the bottom line is, though, those of you listening, if you want happiness, give happiness. You want love, yeah. give love. It, you know, and and realize, like I said, life isn't about financial success. Life is about fulfillment, and fulfillment usually comes from contribution. Anything in this universe that doesn't contribute, frankly, is eliminated. Okay, uh, the universe eliminates anything that doesn't contribute in some fashion. So, this humans have a basic human need to contribute. So, and I, I I really believe that that, and I I feel like as a human race, we're evolving more rapidly now. But you know, for for men, a lot of men don't don't really start actualizing until they're in their late thirties, early forties. But I'm seeing that accelerated now. I I talk to young young kids in their twenties that that you know are are 
concerned with bigger things than themselves and 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 they want success but they realize that that giving and contributing and and helping other people you know whatever 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 they're interested in elderly people children animals whatever it is that that they're you know that that's the mission that you're referring to it's 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 adding value beyond the financial success. Right. I so think, that, I think that's, that's I, I think that's when you look at happy people, not just wealthy and, and or rich right. people, that's right. the common denominator is they've gotten right. past that idea. I mean, they may have started out thinking just kind of like what you said, right? I mean, you're, you've got pictures of Corvettes, Lamborghinis, whatever. Right. And then you get there and you're like, wait a second. There's, right. you know, <laughs> it, you know, it's like the whole idea, you know, they, they talk about people who are paralyzed, right? And people who, who have accidents get paralyzed that within, I think, I think it was like 60 or 90 days there's a study that they return to their basal level of happiness right even though this terrible things happen to them they go from having the worst thing ever massive change in their life and 90 days later they're just as happy as they were before the accident i didn't know that that's yeah. fascinating yeah it is yeah, fascinating. fascinating and and yeah. that's that's why because again thermostat thermostat we have to figure out how to change it so i mean this has been this is i could talk to you forever rod because this oh is this is well, this is my favorite topic period i yeah. mean you know i we could talk real estate till i'm blue in the face and <laughs> you know i've got, I've got a incredible gift for your listeners but we'll talk about that in a minute but but my point is that's the the real estate the entrepreneurship the business you know the business knowledge the you know how to build your business and set up systems and culture and marketing and sales and all that, that's 20%. 80% is the actual taking action and 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 having the mindset to get back up when you get your nose bloody because I promise you, you're going to get your nose bloody, you know, and, and re- remembering why you're doing what you're doing. And that's why I said, when you do your goals, don't just write down the things that you want, write down who you want to help. You know, I bought my parents a house. Who do you want to help? What do you want to do? What do you want to stand for? You know, besides maybe just your family, be in the universe or in this country or in this world, who are you going to help? And those of you, you know, I know that you've got a, a, a very successful listener base. That's really where you need to be focused as you're evolving, like we've been discussing here, Buck, and and and, and that thermostat and, and you know, uh, not just elevating that financial thermostat, but incorporating incorporating what's most important, which is which is the fulfillment. So the show, your show, your podcast is called the Lifetime Cashflow Podcast, and obviously yep. available on the usual iTunes. Yeah, Stitcher, no, thank you. Yeah, and, and I want to mention it's yeah. it's it's not just real estate. Uh, it is it is definitely real estate. I, I I interview you know you know real hitters in the real estate space. I've had been blessed to have Dean Graziosi on the show as well, and you know a number of other really big players and smaller players, people with just a duplex. But I also do a weekly clip on the psychology of success. It's only five to eight minutes. So even if you're not interested in real estate, come check it out because you know people rave about how motivating it is. I talk about you know, everything from taking 100% responsibility to pushing through fear to owning owning who you are and and you know i could go you know numerous topics that relate to mindset and psychology so i hope you'll check it out and like i mentioned to you earlier i've got a free book it's 200 pages it's called how to create lifetime cash flow through multifamily properties i'm about to get it printed i have a printed copy in my hand right now but i'm still giving it away for free it's like a textbook for real estate so it's there's no fluff in it it's not one of those it's this is like a textbook so if you're interested and you want that just text my name rod 
to 41411 and we'll get you a copy. It's going to be on Amazon for $24.95, probably in about a month, but I get you, you know, a free PDF copy of this thing. It's, it's, it had rave reviews about it. So again, Rod to 41411 and we'll get you a copy. And lastly, if you don't mind, Buck, let me mention my Facebook group that I created for multifamily investors. There's about 1,500 people on there and we're adding, it seems like about 30 a day, but it's a great place to connect with other people in the space. So if you're interested in multifamily investing, just go to multifamilycommunity.com and it's a direct link to the Facebook page. We approve you. We, it's not for promoting. There's no promotion allowed there. It's just to connect with other investors and grow and learn and peer mentor and nothing gets sold there. It's really just to add value and, and it's it's really going extremely well. It's only I've only had it for about a month and there's already 1,500 people on it. So, you know, again, if you're interested in that, in that at all, I know you've got people that are more entrepreneurial and things on the show, but if you're interested in that, there you go. Yeah, no, this is all great stuff. And you know, it's funny. I thought we were going to talk about real estate today, yeah, today but, yeah. but this is better. I mean, we have plenty of people yeah. talking about real estate and all these other assets, yeah. but fundamentally, this is where you have to start. And especially right, for this group right. who we're not trying to get out of rat races, but we are trying to get, we are trying to break from the golden handcuffs, right? Right. Which is- And, and evolve, and evolve as human beings. Right. You know, it really, it's it's an evolution. It's a pro. You know, there's never any happiness from the end goal. It's always from progress. It's from becoming better, becoming more. And and so, really enjoyed this. I'm, I'm happy to talk real estate some point. Buck, <laughs> yeah, we'll have you back the- on for that. We'll have you back <laughs> on. Listen, Rod, it was been it's been great. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Talk soon, buddy. We'll be right back. Self storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Rod Cleef. Now, hopefully you understand a little bit what I'm talking about with this whole wealth thermostat thing. I think it's for real. So I think one of your calls to action for this week certainly is to really re-examine what you believe about wealth. What do you think is wealthy? What do you think is a lot of money? Why do you? And, you know, if Rod's right, I mean, maybe this whole vision board thing is a good idea as well. That might be something else to consider for your call to action. I mean, it certainly couldn't help, right? I mean, putting up pictures of cool cars and houses and things like that. I might try it myself. I'm going to put up a picture of the Minnesota Vikings. That's kind of what I want. I want to buy the Minnesota Vikings someday. I mean, I I got a ways to go, but that kind of is the type of thing that you should be doing. You got to be thinking big, right? So listen, that's my call to action, but there's also the other call to action, which I've been trying to get more and more of you to do, which is to give me a five-star review on iTunes, because that certainly helps helps. It helps grow this podcast and will get me one step closer to the Minnesota Vikings. Okay, of course, I'm halfway kidding there. But anyway, that's it for me this week. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.
Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.